This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, that's just part of camp at, at this point at camp. You know, you're going to have guys beat up a little bit, a little tired, a little sore. Um, but, you know, I, I'm excited about what this group can do uh, from a depth perspective. You know, you saw guys um, that were making plays today um, that maybe weren't getting that many reps before. So it's good to get guys these opportunities, get guys these reps, and, and let them really show what they can do. Yep, that's how we. Yep, that's how we talk about Mackie and Judge. Who just reps? We just need those daily reps. Uh, we got we plenty of them back in the day, my man. Those we're four seven hour years into these daily reps. Those two a days were plenty. God. <laughs> yeah, well, those weren't even two a days. Those are just straight four hour practices yep. for us. Actually, no water breaks either until the very <laughs> eight, end. Yeah, eight hour practice too for the producer who was in at four in the morning for uh, to, to to get in there. So yeah, it was even more that's fun right. for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts, scorenorth.com and the Scornorth YouTube channel. And boys, it is a Statements Monday here. We're also going to get to later in the show, we're going to do a full dissection of the A-Rod and Mark Lowry comments across two different athletic articles. Just do a full Timberwolves deep dive. But uh, you guys ready for, for some Good. statements on this Monday here? For Let's the see. Let's see. Am I ready for statements? Oh, I only started on Saturday writing down statements. <laughs> Damn right I uh, am. I actually uh I actually started on Friday on an airplane. Oh, I can't okay, wait. Phil, yeah, God, which we're gonna get that. to. Yes, yes. I am so, looking forward to this. Statement number one give Oli Udo a chance. And I'm saying this not only to you guys in the audience, I'm saying it to myself as well, because mm-hmm. I think I've been very quick to say, and rightfully so. Oh, good job fixing the offensive line. Your right guard competition is now Dakota Dozier, one of the worst offensive line performances in NFL history last year. Drew Samia, who was maybe worse in his four-game stretch. And Ole Udo, who I mistakenly said had never played an NFL snap. I'm sorry, he's played 34 of them, most of those in Week 17 of 2019. And I say give Ole Udo a chance for a couple reasons here. Reason number one, he checks the main box for the Vikings starting right guard. He's not Dakota Dozier or Drew Samia. Right? So for that reason, I'm not you're not gonna hear any Ole Udo slander from me until he gets blown up five times in a preseason game or a regular season game. And uh, I did a deep dive, gentlemen. I went to the NFL.com pre-draft scouting report from when Ole Udo was a sixth-round pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. And one thing I like is, because remember, he was drafted as a tackle. He played sort of small-time college football as a tackle. 
most of the knocks on him in the like why is he you know why would he potentially fail in the NFL you know why is he a sixth round pick most of those knocks were things that would limit him as a tackle such as and I read football oh my God. speed to power rushers catch his frame and create some early push into the pocket on the edge. I love that, yeah. And he lacks athleticism for extended mirroring around the top of the arc Football. on the edge. Okay. That's outstanding. And so if, if you slide him to the inside where he doesn't have to worry about getting beat by some of these speed rushers in the NFL, and he's going to slide to a place where athleticism and quickness still matters in the Vikings' run-blocking scheme, but it's a little bit less important than just holding your ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm sitting here today. I'm raising my hand and saying you will hear no more Ole Udo slander from me. He is the leading candidate to be the Vikings starting right guard until he gets forklifted off the line of scrimmage seven times in week one. If that happens, I will rip him. But for now, give Ole Udo a chance. I don't think with his size he's going to get ragdolled like Garrett Bradbury does. But my concern with him is that he is going to be beaten because inside rushers today are far more quicker, savvy, and athletic than they used to be. That's And I think it's weird. I'd love to know what the discussions were to really, right before training camp, move him. Like, ordinarily, you, you know, January would come, right? Season gets done, and you're like, Ole, come here. Yeah, what's up, coach? We're moving you to guard. Okay, coach, I'll spend the whole offseason working at guard. Uh, so it's sort of weird that we just, unless this was done and they didn't talk about it, but I don't think it was, that they did this now. But you know what, Phil? Your your statement, your statement sets us up perfectly for the Oli Udo theme song, which is all we are saying <laughs> is give Oli a chance. Everybody's talking about tackle play and guard play and what, how are the Vikings going to be. All we are saying is give Oli a chance. Do you want to hear some of the positive scouting traits from NFL.com? Football. Yeah, of course. All right. I'm just going to read through some of these. Natural power with ability to engulf and bulldoze stationary Uh, opponents. Football. (laughs) Tree trunks for legs with broad waist, burly chest, and long arms. Mm. Always got the good arms. That's good for a tackle, actually, too. Unlike, was it Sharif Floyd who had the T-Rex arms? Yeah, small small arms are a big deal. Who who was the Packer draft pick? Was it Beluga years ago? Belaga from Iowa? Who Brian had, Belaga. Yeah, who had small, I think he had small arms, and the Green Bay really? media went nuts. The Wisconsin folks yeah, are tough. like, we can't do this. Can't have this guy. Can't get, can't get leverage. Nope. Um, flashes some nasty as a finisher and good rhythm in kick slides. Football. I like kick slides. I like kick slides, yeah. In O-line and bands, and country bands, okay. kick slides. Give Oli a chance. All right. All right. All right. My first statement comes off of news that came across on Friday, and we didn't get to it, but we'll get to it now. And it's very simple. Calm down, Mike. So that's calm down, comma, Mike. All right. I understand Christian Derrissaw is coming off um, January, I believe it was groin slash what they refer to as core surgery. I understand that he's had setbacks, and this doesn't seem like it's going well, and I agree, that's a problem. 
but already growing impatient with the player and basically coming out and being like, well, if you can't practice, can't practice. Um, okay. The problem with Zim is if this is how Zim was to us, but then privately was like, Christian, it's going to be fine. That might be okay. But we know Mike. What Mike tells us is what Mike reflects to players as well. This is the 23rd overall pick. What should be, I hope for the Vikings' sake, a franchise left tackle who can play that position here for a long time. I get it. He's damaged goods right now. It's less than ideal. He very well might have had a setback at some point, and they're not talking about that. But all of that doesn't make riding him going. It doesn't mean it's going to help. And athletes today, aside from the rare ones, don't really respond to that. I just always flash back to, like, Sharif Floyd and stuff, right? That doesn't yeah. help the player. This guy's supposed to be in your long-term plans. In 2021 is important, but you know what else is? Everything beyond that. So just calm down. Take a deep breath. Um, this might not be what you want, but it doesn't help the player to ride him now and basically insinuate, well, if he can't get on the practice field, you know what, that's just fine. Then we'll get you know Rashad Hill. No. So is, 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 is Zimmer, like, is he just... How would you compare it to the Sharif Floyd thing? Because he was—he really rode Sharif Floyd. That was early in Mike Zimmer's head coaching career, and Sharif wound up with an injury that prevented him from really ever playing again. Yeah, I, I don't think we're at that point with Christian Derrissaw by any means. But right. is he just—is was it just sort of a throwaway comment? No, Has it been multiple no, kept times? Ta- no, on so he was asked one question about Derrissaw's progress or lack thereof, and he basically is like, "Well, he can't practice, and if he can't practice, he can't play." Blah blah blah. And then there were like two or three follow-ups throughout the rest of the press conference in which you you could tell that Zim's patience is pretty much gone, but it does him no good. Like at this point in time, this guy's career is going to extend, hopefully, long beyond the time that Zim is coach here. So it's it's not that he's to the Sharif Floyd point yet, but he but you can see it, the snowball starting to go. And the guy was legitimately hurt, okay? I get that. There might be some things you don't like, but creating confrontation and being bristly about it right now doesn't really help him or you. This is who he is. I think we're all a little bit surprised. right? When they drafted him, they knew that there was some cleanup stuff and some surgery there, right? But I think everyone's pretty surprised that he's not really playing yet, right? So yes. this is more nagging than everyone thought, he did. and that's probably where this is coming from, from Zimmer. He, I want to say in minicamp, I think by – so that was two days. And it was less physical than this, but I want to say he was second team left tackle, and now he's basically not taking part in team. He came back late last week, took part in some individual work, did no teamwork, and is still there. So, yes, it's frustrating. It's not on plan. So uh, he's not starting week one. No way. No way. But I'm just, I, I'm just saying I don't see what good this does. Like, okay, he's not going to start. That's not great, but... Players his age right now, I don't believe, respond to, well, if you can't practice, you can't play. Okay, here's one more question off this, because I think like part of this discussion is the Vikings had a win-now window which in which jobs are on the line. Cousins is not guaranteed to be a Viking after the year. Zimmer's not guaranteed to be a Viking. I think Spielman's more safe, but you know this is like Agreed. kind of a bleeper get-off-the-pot season for the Vikings. An offensive line was one of, if not the biggest pro- Now, you could say defense was the biggest problem. You know, they had some guys coming back that, like, Kendricks missed a month, Hunter missed the whole season. So they had to fix the defense. 
in part by just getting guys back, but they needed to go out and draft or sign offensive linemen that were better than the incumbents, right? Mm-hmm. Did they know, like, was there a chance at all when they drafted Christian Derrissaw that his September was going to be in question? Like, did they draft a guy that they kind of knew was going to be iffy for the start of the season, or is all of this a complete shock? No, it's not a complete shock. because he. So he got hurt during the course of the college season or or they knew that he was hurt. Uh, he had surgery at the end of, I think it was January. And, and so he fell to 23 in part because of that. So th- this is not what they expected, but I think to say it's a complete shock would not be true. Okay. It's just very interesting. I mean, I know that you're not just drafting a guy to help you this year. You're looking the next right. 10 years and that's what they thought, but. Now Rashad Hill is going to be your starting left tackle, and Oli Udo with zero experience in the NFL. You know what, though? I, I don't want to hear from the quarterback. Drop back and pass the ball. Can't help. But me it's anymore. a built. But this, these are all going to be built-in reasons I, or excuses, right? I mean, it's kind of a free pass to say, "Well, what's he supposed to do?" I say we remove the excuses. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of all of them. I really but, am. But, but if Rashad Hill this. is your left tackle and Oli Udo is well, your right then guard, that... then that's not fair. <laughs> like, that's not fair if you're Kirk Cousins. And I am as staunch of a Kirk Cousins criticizer as anybody. That's not that's that's not how you should protect Kirk Cousins. No, it's not. But, I mean, they've they've had this problem year after year after year. And at some point in time, somebody, and it could be the quarterback, I don't know whom, has to overcome it to be successful. Yeah. All right. Dex. All right, my first statement. It's let's get wild. And I'm not talking about the hockey team. I'm not talking about the hockey team. Bar scene? Not talking about the bar scene. My bleep show of a dating scene. Girl, or girls Gone Wild wolves, with Dex? Or, or the Wolves or the Twins. Does Girls Gone Wild still exist? Or I, that guy, that guy's like, in jail, right? I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think, think it's gone. Yeah, I bet there's still some paid programming ones, you know, on, on the local channels at 2 or 3 in the morning that are the next step up. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say let's get wild, and I'm talking about Wildcat formations. I'm talking about oh wide receiving pass. I'm talking about getting creative, getting players in the shotgun. Because if, if if there is a situation where Kirk Cousins is not the starting quarterback, we're going to have to get creative. You can't just give Dalvin Cook 40 handoffs a game. Now, you can give him 40 touches a game. You can put him in the Wildcat. You can figure out other different ways to get really creative. They're experimenting with this at training camp. So my first statement is let's get wild. Now, also, I love me a wide receiver pass. I was talking with Judd about this last week on our training camp. I was talking with Chip Scoggins on Kind of It's a Trouble last week. The wide receiver pass, I have no idea why, excites me maybe more than any other play in football. I don't know why. And maybe because it does, doesn't pass? happen a lot. Uh, I love punter you. Pass? Fake punt is second. Ooh. Fake punt is second. Because a fake punt, <laughs> when executed properly, is chef's kiss. But it doesn't happen very often. I would say Reese Lloyd, former Gophers punter and kicker, is my favorite fake punter ever because his Australian style, like you would you would get the snap and then you would roll out to your right or left for the punt. Yep. And and so it just became, oh, like that's what he does. He rolls out to the left or the right and he punts it. And so teams would get so used to this that they would just start going running down the field. He's gonna punt it. And then he would some he like four times a year he would just follow the opposing team down the field with their backs to him. So I think if you could maybe steal mm-hmm. something from Australian North, I'm here. And, and I don't know if Clint Kubiak, you know, if we, we adopt like a little pistol formation, we just get really, really creative here, but we might have to get wild. So let's get wild with this Vikings offense. I don't think 
this is going to be the last I want to talk about quarterbacks and COVID until something actually happens again because I'm so sick of it. But I honestly think Kirk is going to go out of his way. Like he he was dead serious about plexiglass. Like I think he will go to great lengths to just avoid all human contact so that he doesn't have to go through the like tail between the legs thing like he did last week. So I don't think you're going to have to worry about it, but we'll see. We'll see. I think he's going to live in a plexi. I think he's going to live, in a, live in a bubble, booth, basically. Yeah. Like people have been bubble joking about. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. My next statement is presented by our friends at the Minnesota Twins. They just took three out of four from the Houston Astros. You guys Look jumped out. off I'll board. My, I've told you all season. This. <laughs> I got a statement on the Twins. I'll wait. That's fine. I've told you all season this team is ready to come back yep. and do some historic yep. things Hamilton in the Simmons. second half. Yep. yep. Um, but so there, so the Twins are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 1991 World Series later this week, August 13th through the 15th, when they take on Nelson Cruz and the Rays. And so you're going to have a chance to meet and take photos with World Series heroes and all kinds of fun stuff. Special pregame ceremony on Saturday this upcoming weekend. Get your tickets at twinsbaseball.com slash tickets. Okay. All right. Speaking of Kirk. So I was watching two nights of Hall of Fame inductions. We had the 2020 class, the 2021 class. I know Declan hates Peyton Manning, but um, I think my statement is generally quarterbacks who win Super Bowls have a certain gravitational pull to their personalities. And, you know, people ask, well, it's not you can't compare Kirk to Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Well, it's a, it's a salary cap league. You're looking for a guy at that position who's paid as much as he is to be able to rise up and lead a team through adversity to overcome obstacles that might be in your way, right? Just be that great player and leader and CEO of a team. And I'm watching Peyton Manning up there for like 10 or 12 minutes. He does three minutes of stand-up. He does a couple minutes of storytelling. He does a couple minutes at the end on just, like, what we need to do to breathe life into football in the future. And it's like everybody's hanging, except for Declan, on every single word that Peyton Manning says. And you could say the same thing about when Tom Brady speaks. I think you could say the same thing when Patrick Mahomes speaks. And so I guess second part of my statement is never has it been more evident what a, like what most championship quarterbacks look like. The Russell Wilsons, right? Yeah, then when control. contrasting... Peyton Manning at that podium yep. in front of the world in millions and Kirk in front of a podium and in front of his teammates. It's just, it's not, it's not the same uh, ballpark. It's so the difference between the CEO of a fortune 500 company and the CEO of uh, the store down the street from me. That's uh, not a chain. <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah. I hear you. All right. So oh, just, uh, in fact, I will play off your statement. With a with a improvised Omaha Omaha statement and say this, Peyton Manning went so far. So we, we've always been talking about you know he's going to do TV right. He's going to be in the booth and he's obviously now going to combine with his brother to do this Monday night gig this season. But my statement is this: Peyton Manning, if you listen closely yesterday, put his name out there to be commissioner of the National Football League one day. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great observation. Peyton Manning yeah. put his name out there. He loves the sport. He's incredibly and and Dex Dex is not completely wrong. I, I know a lot of people who are annoyed by him, but he's incredibly smart. 
Um, I hear it pays well, too, to be the commissioner. That yeah. sounds all right. And he is. But, I mean, think about the attributes he brings as a player, as a businessman, as a person who absolutely loves this game. And Roger Goodell's done good and bad, but he's a guy who is a straight-up business dude. Like, he is a PR guy, and, and he, look, the league has thrived. It's fine. But that being said... A guy like Peyton who would step in and understand the history of the game, who participated in that as well, Peyton Manning yesterday, what I heard was a guy who would be very comfortable potentially being commissioner someday of the National Football League. How old did you guys feel watching Paul Tagliabue at the podium? I was like, at first I was like, who's this guy? Oh my God, that's Paul Tagliabue. I didn't He's see 80 Ta- years old. Oh yeah, no, I didn't see him. And he was fine. Um, and then Flores, Tom Flores, Tom Flores the yeah, I saw him. Two-time Super Bowl champion, he was and great. You know, guys in a guys in a wheel. I mean, he like had to have help getting out of a wheelchair. It's he was like, really God, good. I remember these guys as a kid, you know. <laughs> um, anyhow, all right, Declan, go ahead and go ahead and tee off on Peyton Manning. Or all right, you know what? I'll, I'll, I will do this. I will do this He's for Peyton. I'll do an impromptu statement. Uh, convince me why I should like Peyton Manning, and also I am willing to give him a chance. In this new role, I'm okay, willing well, to give him a chance. I know I've been what, ripping him he's, up and down. What don't you lo- like? Like we, I just, it, I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't understand okay, the lore. Like, give me two he's things. Witty, that he's witty. He's charismatic. He's funny. He's a stand-up comedian. Like that, that dude literally can do could do stand-up smart comedy ass, but if he's he funny wanted to. He's, I think that's maybe why. Because I'm kind of a smart ass. Maybe I'm just threatened by the 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 fellow smart assian in him. Uh, I don't. I just. I don't get it. I just don't gravitate towards him. It doesn't do it for me. I feel like. You need to tell us in more detail why you don't think. Like, do you think he's right. that people think he's funnier than he is? Yeah, I, I, he's I, smart. He's witty. He's hilarious. I definitely think he's smart. He's obviously he's a smart dude. He's got a huge dude. head. He's got a gigantic noggin. Which I'm sure so you don't think he, you don't think he's funny? Is what you're saying? No, I don't think he's funny. Oh my god, I don't think he's funny really? at all. No, <laughs> the SNL stuff didn't. The 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 the, the, the thing with I, the I kids. Mean, the, the digital short where he throws the football that's, at the kids' back that's one noggin. Of the greatest is great. sports kids they've ever done. Yeah, he like helps write those. You um, know? I, I I'm willing to adopt him back in and and apologize for my for my remarks on him, but I I just I don't get it. He doesn't do anything for me. He loves the game too, like he sincerely That's, does, I, which I think is know awesome. What? I, him as a commissioner, I think that would be good. I think that would be a good idea. Roger Goodell is completely tone deaf. I don't think Peyton is tone deaf. Uh, you want that job? Like, if you're already uh, worth like five hundred million, you know what? Though, would dude, you really want the pain in the ass of being? I didn't think so. The NFL till that when when he spoke about the game itself, that that seemed to me to almost be a political statement about how he feels, and he clearly sees, and I think he's right. So we all say the league's in great shape, like, and yes, it's popular, but he looks at the grassroots, which is not in great shape probably because of concussions and parents not allowing their kids to play. And he was talking about that. Like that was a very in, that was a very deep statement about where football is today, far beyond the pros or colleges. Have we ever had a commissioner of one of the four major men's leagues who comes from a former player background, not like a college player, but like, like a legitimate former player. Cause they they all come from usually the legal side the marketing side in the NBA, right? Nope. Adam Silver, David Stern, Tagliabue. So. No, so, I think you're right. So that would be – and really, like, as a commissioner, yeah, you're looking out for the good of the game and you have to build good relationships ideally with the players, but your ultimate goal is to get the owners what they want 
first and foremost and fight the players. Mm-hmm. So that would be an interesting dynamic if you're if you're right. Um, all right, who wants it? Who wants the next statement? I think it's me, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Vikings got lucky. So I'm going back to Friday afternoon's practice. Justin Jefferson, slant route, third consecutive pass uh, in an 11-on-11 drill thrown by Kirk Cousins to J.J. And Breland decides to, well, let's just say, give an enthusiastic thump to the star receiver on the, the Vikings. He goes down, lands heavily on his left shoulder, and starts um, screaming is probably too strong, but definitely definitely expressing injury. And I thought to myself, my God, he broke his collarbone, or he broke his arm, or something bad. Walks off with the athletic training staff, arm basically dangling. And we find out that it's a sprained AC joint, which is not great, but then I saw him at the stadium downtown on on. Saturday for the practice, and he was actually catching passes with his right arm and didn't have a brace or a device on his left arm, which leads me to believe that he should be set to go for week one. But in a week that was a terrible week, I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, there were a lot of distractions, shall I say, with that team. That would have been the coup de gras, and the Vikings are very fortunate that that was not far worse. And by the way, everybody from now on. If you're practicing against him, lay off Justin Jefferson. Seriously. He doesn't so what, need so, you being aggressive. So did Breland tackle him? Sort of hit him, and and he landed on him. So, yeah, he basically did. Like, it's a bang-bang Dude, play. what are you doing, It's a bang-bang play. Well, here's the problem. The day before, I think it was Cousins, threw a deep ball down the sideline to Jefferson, and he made a lunging catch. Breland's there again. On that one, he sort of comes down and and tries to strip the ball and does, and Jefferson lands thud and didn't get up real quickly. And I'm like, oh, my Dude. God. And he got up and was okay. But, like, you just don't need to do this. I feel like Breland also based on just some of the things he tweeted publicly before the Vikings, like between when the Vikings lowballed him and then eventually offered him a, a bigger contract. He's out there tweeting about have, getting no respect. I think our guy Bashad Breeland might lack a little awareness. Mm. And I mean, you're right. Into other areas of his well, career too, it dude. Fe- what feels, are you doing? It feels like don't come within ten feet of Justin yeah, Jefferson. It feels like he's again. trying to impress, which in preseason games, okay, if that's your deal. But Justin Jefferson, mm, come on. I get it. Like he's fighting for a starting spot. Yeah. It's 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 basically between him and Cam Dantzler, right, for the outside spot with Mackenzie Alexander in and, the slot. And I is think that... Breland's got it, so to, just calm down. And by the way, just he, relax. Yeah. Here here is the play from practice. I don't know if you saw it there at the end. So he's he's, the he's, he's right on him. Yeah, and yeah. sort of sl- and sort of takes him down. Yeah, but it's just not right. necessary. I'll just, oh. just stay away. Please just stay away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, I got. I've got the airplane scenario here for you guys. Oh yes, if you want it now. Yes, right. yeah. Let's hear it. Okay, this um, this airplane conundrum <laughs> is powered by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's sponsored. All right, nice. So Federated, you know, F- Federated does a lot of work for a lot of great Minnesota businesses. They've also had a great relationship with the Timberwolves and the Gophers. They're a proud sponsor of Gophers Athletics, um, and they have all kinds of trusted resources and tools 
available for you, business owners, to maximize the success of your business and minimize risks and damage. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Here's my statement. Speaking of self-awareness, people need to just relax and enjoy the flight on airplanes. All right, I'm going to paint a scenario, and I want you to tell me if I I drew a line in the sand okay. on my flight home from Nashville, Tennessee. I was at Podcast Movement Convention soaking in things that we can apply to the Marconi finalist, right. Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd. Maybe next year we can put Mackie and Judd in that mix. <laughs> and so we're coming back. It's a full flight. Flights are full now. You know, you got people in middle seats now. I always get the aisle seat whenever possible because it's just like mentally for me, I just really, you you know, it's it's like a four and a half hour flight too. Like I just want to make sure that if I have to go to the bathroom or something or stomach gets upset, I just, I like the peace. (laughs) I've never used the bathroom on airplanes, but I like the peace of mind of knowing I don't have to hop over nine people. Could could not agree more. (laughs) Yep. So Declan and I are tracking. Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. So, um, so I, I sit down. Guy comes in and, uh, I don't know, a guy who's probably in his mid-20s, just like, oh, happy to be on the flight, right? Sits down in the middle seat next to me. Uh-huh. And we both sit there for probably 15 to 20 minutes while everyone else boards and gets on the plane. All of the luggage compartments uh-huh. have now been shut overhead, okay? Yeah. So we're ready to rock. This plane's ready to take off. And I got my headphones in, which even if you're not listening to anything, it's always key to have the headphones in yes. because you want to make it make a scene out of it if somebody wants to talk to you, right? Yep. So it's been a while since someone has gone through my headphone barrier. Like usually people look over and like, if you got the headphones in, I'm not going to bother you. Yep. This guy elbows me, like taps me and elbows me to get my attention right next to me in the middle seat. And I'm already thinking, oh, my God, what is <laughs> happening? This better be an emergency. Mm-hmm. So I take my headphone off and he goes, hey. So my friend is sitting in the aisle seat just a few rows up from us right here. Would you mind switching seats with her so we can sit next to each other on the on the flight? It's still an aisle seat and it's it's three rows up and so you know you would still have your aisle seat. And at first I said I actually my first reaction was um cuz I just want like we're about to take off. I just want to I just want to sit in my seat. You know, I'm flying solo. To, I I just want to sit in my seat. I don't want to be bothered. Oh, I got my headphones in. I'm listening God. to a podcast. All right? And it's like so, six in the morning too, right? Is it very early? Yes. We literally boarded at six o'clock in the oh morning. I was, uh, I was awake at like four in the morning, you know, to get there and to be ready to rock. And yeah. I just like, I just want to pass out. All right. And so he, you know, so he, he says, you know, I, it's an aisle seat. You guys can just switch seats. So I'll explain my logic here and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. My first reaction was, yeah, we can, we can probably do that. I was, and I, like, I'm thinking, I'm literally talking out loud. I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess we can do that. But then I thought my bag is right above me now. Right. And you got to go back. If I move three rows up, you don't get to like move, you know, you know, people get up out of their seats and like, it's hard to go back multiple rows to get your bag. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I said, honestly, dude, when we land, I don't want to have to wait or like go against the current to get my bag or wait for everyone to get off. It's not as simple as like letting three rows get off. Like, no, the whole train starts moving and you have to sit there until they're all gone. And I got to go. I want to get out. I, I, I want to get out off this plane. I right. Go. So I told him, 
could you? Why don't you just ask the person in the middle seat next to her if you can switch with them? And so he he starts texting her. Now he's like, he thought that I was going to say yes. And right. so now he's all like, oh, God. And he said, and so he gets a response back from her. And apparently the guy in the middle seat was with the person in the window seat. They're not so moving. they weren't going to break it up. They're not moving. So he, so he goes, oh, yeah, the guy in the middle seat is with the woman in the, in the, in the window seat. And he kind of throws it back to me. And I was like, okay. All right. And I put my headphone back in. <laughs> so you didn't move. I didn't move. Didn't move. I drew a line in the were sand. Was, the, I, was I unreasonable? Were, well, there's questions. The whole, here. The whole there, plan was full. The whole plan was there's full. There's questions to be asked here. Were all of the above cabin doors for carry on closed? Yes. So they, they had closed them all up? Yes. So, like, you couldn't have got your bag out and switched with her. So he suggested, you guys, what if we open up the carry ons and, like, we switch your bag? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But they, had clo- like, but they had closed them. All. I don't want to. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I feel I like I just don't want to do that. So, I just want to sit here. So I feel I'm like sorry, you I paid were for the seat. I feel like you were a slight Richard in this case, but I also feel as if he asked you too late. Like if, like if the like if the baggage or the doors above you are open, and you can yeah. just grab your bag and switch with her quick. It's sort of an inconvenience, but it's not that hard. Yeah, but it's also like far enough apart. It's not like one row up, right? It's like it was like three rows. Yeah, up. but so I mean, it's, it's far if enough he up. Asked or like early it's, enough, I think you should have done it. But if he was asking at the last second, that's a he was. That's a weird. All ask. of the all of the bins were closed. I would literally say, all of the bins were closed. I would. I probably would have said the lesson here: ask before. Like you got to ask earlier than that. Yeah. Like you can't. Like I'll, I should have told him that. I'll defend you. Well, I mean, it's a te- teachable moment, right? Teachable moment. You got You got the opportunity for to you. teach. Don't ever bother me when I have headphones on but on like, the plane unless we're going well, down. Okay. And, that, <laughs> and that's a well. No, don't don't bug me then. That's a big ask though, because like Dawn will not move seats. She is superstitious as hell, so she won't even move seats. So like, if I mm-hmm. if I want to switch with her, it's a production, and like that's like <laughs> one seat. I'm not superstitious, but I can respect that thought process. But she's like, Listen, this is my seat. If the plane goes down and they find my carcass, they're not going to know who that yeah. is. I mean, who knows? But anyway, but the, the, that's a big the other ask. Thing I had, the other thing I had to weigh here was if I say no, I have to sit next to this guy touching elbows for four hours, yeah. four and a half hours. Am I okay with that? Oh, that's a, usually yeah. usually I get I just sort of cave into the social pressure. Sure. Right. No. I How old was this he? Is, probably – Mid mid twenties. Oh, right. Th- then it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like then, yeah. then you don't care. If the guy was fifty, like me, because I would have made your life hell. But yeah, I know a fi- a fifty year old wouldn't have asked that stupid question. Not when all the bins. Were not closed. that. Yeah, not Correct. that late. That's just too late. I. All right, Dex. Am I being a Richard here? You were being a Richard, but you were justified to be a Richard. That's what I would say. Okay. Um. My also thing, and this is just me, my, my, again, I have clearly you and I would do well traveling together because we wouldn't say a single word on the flight, which is exactly what I want. Yep. I have the headphones same thing. in, headphones yep. in, noise canceling Who on, talks on flights, drinks. I want drinks. I don't want, I might giggle when I'm, what I'm watching, yeah. you know, but that doesn't, that's not an invitation, by the way, for you to ask what I'm watching. No, I'm just enjoying yep. what I'm watching. It's none no. of your business. And if, and if there's an episode of Queer Eye on and I'm crying, don't console me. I'm just, I'm enjoying this episode of Queer Eye. Yeah, it's a, you're, you're it's right. a great show. It's a great, it's a great show. show. Don't watch yep. it, but you're right. But this is also a big reason why I don't do overhead bins when I travel. Uh, I am a 
big time checked bag at the airport oh, person. No. I don't like having it with me. I don't what? like carrying it around. But- I, everything can go. If any, I bring a backpack on the plane, but you know where that goes? Underneath my seat. People do not understand what goes and what does not go in the overhead bin. And every, that's one of the first things I do on a plane is I scout every idiot who puts a coat or an umbrella or something dumb that does not belong in the overhead bin. Okay. And I sit there and I put judge a coat them. in there. Look, here's here's. Nothing bugged me more when I traveled than that stupid announcement of just put one thing. If I get there first, I'm putting as much stuff as I possibly can and screw you. I'm just going to lay up this, in the bin. This is a free-for-all, but no. checking a bag? I hate I checking. I checking a bag. Oh, I too. hate checking bags. You, then then you got to go claim the damn bag, yep. and there's the Fine. off chance they're going to lose the bag. Yeah. I want to be in control of my stuff as much as possible. I don't want to trust people. Here's the other thing, too. There should be some sort of process for, like, like let's say I've got the – this happened on the way there, okay? This is another one, okay? Airplanes need to be better about demanding that people check their carry-ons after they've already, like, gotten to the gate. So if you've got one of the roller carry-ons in a backpack, yep. oftentimes they'll tell you that this flight's really full, yep. and so we're going to need – Ten of you to volunteer, and if we don't get enough volunteers, we're just going to start taking your bag mm-hmm. and checking it, right? Well, they I they, they took my carry on my not my backpack, but my roller on the way there. It's, it's, it's a first world problem. It's not that big of a deal. Yep. But like Judd said, they could lose it. Um, something could go haywire. Like I always worry because they make you bring it down the ramp and put it. Just put it uh, by the the entrance to the plane there, right. and someone like Bob will grab it. Well, yep. how do I know Bob's going to grab it? I don't know. Just gonna set it there. What if someone takes it? Who knows? Right. And so you get on the plane. I realize we get on the plane. There was there was room for like fifty other overhead, you know, bin bags. Right. So I'm with Declan on that front. Like, I don't like checking bags, but if it means avoiding the cluster bleach yes. that is the overhead compartments, uh, I'm. I think I and side I, with him on that. I, and I feel like I always get stuck with someone who, do, like, I need help getting it in there. And I'm like, look at me. Do you think I'm built oh, I, I help. to help you oh, you're with, a jerk. With, I help with, people with manual all the time. labor? Look, if you can't, if listen, if you can't, lift, if you can't lift it above your head, check it. Lady, I'm helping you out. I'm, I'm moving it along. The bag. I'm moving it along, and I'm helping you I, out. I literally went to college to talk. I I, I don't have a lot of skills. Okay, like I, I'm not Declan, gonna. All you gotta I'm, do I'm is use your size that. and lift that puppy oh, up. God, it's so dude. easy. And do you know how appreciative little old gals are for that? Yeah, Ruth. Why well, do you check you so this much. bag? Oh, no at problem, Delta. I know you got no it. No problem, ma'am. There's another brownie point to heaven for me. I know that Amex car gives you a free check bag. Just check it next time. <laughs> I know it does. I have it. I know it does. Please just do it. The racket of of the check bag as you're going down the ramp is this though. They don't charge you for it. That's the racket of it. So so it's smart to try and take as big a bag as possible on the plane because if they're they're like I'm sorry sir that's but, not going to fit nine times out out of ten uh, they'll, they'll comp it and stick it underneath it's great but that's even worse because when you're going through security you have to open it up and maybe it doesn't fit through that and then you're delaying the TC like I have airplane like Mackie and I are gonna I think I now I kind of want to fly with Phil just to see how well this would work because I have insane rules at the airport okay here's the thing you have to be in control of the situation that's the that's key. That's that's the key. I, and, and I yeah, right, right. But I I'm saying going through 
You talk about being a student of the game, JR? I am. I am. Game, JR. <laughs> yeah, you're Peyton. You're Peyton bleeping Manning of flying, and that's what you should be. So yeah, Omaha, Omaha. Exactly. Stop talking to me, middle So guy. when you go through. Oh, by the way, his his friend, she was sleeping for four hours. Yeah. All right. You're just going to sleep anyway. She probably anyways. was like, oh, I want to sit by you. And then he's like, oh, I'll try. And then he he would, he would probably thanked you. He's probably like, thanks for not letting me do that. But, <laughs> but. There is no higher, in my opinion, place of anxiety than the line going through security. And that's where you have to take control and be in charge and be as prepared as possible. But people are also anxious. It's just like, calm down. I mean, we're just going to fly. Odds are we won't crash. And if you do, you won't feel a thing. Yeah, that's true, too. I could go on for hours on airplane at airport, airplane etiquette. Well, but, you're right about but, talking, though. I, I'm with both of you guys on that. I don't understand people that talk. So uh, you don't know me. You uh, are going, going on? You going on vacation or are you going home? So what do you do for a living? Here's oh, the biggest God. thing. Just stop, dude. Just Here, stop, here's dude. the here's the biggest thing far. about a flight. <laughs> Number one is if if it goes smooth, if we take off and land successfully and deboard. I never want to talk to any of you. Worst case, it crashes. I will forever be tied in the manifest with you. It's all or nothing. So if I die, if our plane blows up or crashes, then we're all in this together, baby. Manifest, 80 names. I'm on it. You are. Otherwise, I never want to hear from you. You got to check out that. It's on Netflix now. It's an ABC show called Manifest. Yeah. It's a good. Sign. I'm like a few episodes in. I've heard uh, it. It's, it's a, a, so it a flight lands. Yeah. A, a flight. Yeah. Okay. A flight lands. Yeah. And they all oh, get out the plane. It's great. And like, and, every, and there's like security and all these people. Yep. Like, why Why is everyone acting all weird? Yep. Because because your flight took off five years ago. Yeah. And you just landed now. So you got a different show. So uh, those are statements here, Mackie and Oh, Judd. wait. Wait. I got one more, though. I, I got to throw okay. in one more, okay? Okay. Because I teased it, so I should u- use it. Thanks to the 2021 Twins for showing up. I just want to thank you. You won three or four against the Astros, who are a good team. Thanks for Best showing up. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it now. Boy, is this a fun, fun thing. Nice statement. job. Nice job, Twins. So uh, those are your statements. Mackie and Judd, Daily Sports Entertainment. We just want titles. That's all we want around here. We just want championships. And um, I like the fact that uh, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are bringing that championship mindset and pedigree. And I'm only saying that half-jokingly. A-Rod did win a championship with the Yankees in, in, uh, what, 2009, Mm -hmm. I want to say. And Mark Laurie has uh, created two of the most successful startups of the last 25 years and then helped run Amazon and Walmart. And those guys sat down with Johnny Krasinski recently from The Athletic and did a little Q&A. There's two different articles you can just do. They're they're deep dives if you want uh, a peek behind the curtain at Timberwolves' ownership, or at least minority ownership in two years, maybe majority. And I'd love to go through some of these comments. I've just, like, pulled out five or six quotes and comments and themes from these articles. I'd love to just throw them out, and we can react to them if you guys are down for a little Timberwolves deep dive. Let's here. go. All right. Howl. Let's, uh, what was that, Dex? Howl. You know, H-O-W-L. Howl. <laughs> that, was, that was said with Howl. almost no passion yes. whatsoever. Great enthusiasm. Yeah. Howl. All right. Here's the first one. Lori and Rodriguez have already started an examination of the franchise's structure and core <laughs> values. 
which yeah. I like. I yeah, and, and I, I want to back up for a second. Mark Laurie absolutely knows what he's doing with business. Alex Rodriguez has a lot of money and has been a top athlete and does some things in business, but mostly just like knows the right people to attach himself mm-hmm. to. So um, I'm taking Mark Laurie's thoughts with more. I guess, uh, credibility than Alex Rodriguez's as we go through these. So Lori and A-Rod have already started an examination of the franchise's structure and core values. What do you guys want the Wolves' core values to be like? What is, like, if they put something on the wall, you know how, like, P.J. Fleck has, like, the you know, in the practice rooms, right? I don't even know what he has. Probably an acronym or something. What would be, like, the one-sentence core value? that you would want Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez to put right on the entrance of the Timberwolves facility when they walk in. This is the most important thing to our company, to our franchise. A fresh start begins today. That's mine. A fresh start. This franchise is in classic need of of a reboot, a reset, Mm -hmm. rethinking things. And that, that does not mean that everybody involved with this team is a train wreck. There are some good people. But I think the to go back to to this word, I think the overall culture of this franchise has been messed up for a long time, and I think that starts at the top. I really do. So I would say a fresh start begins today is the theme that I would harp on in saying the names might not all change. Certainly, quite a few will, but they won't all change. But the feeling around this franchise will change drastically. Dex? Mine would be be better. And I know that sounds kind of blunt, but this has been basically 20 of what the Wolves have been for 30 years, right? 20 of these 30 years have been a dumpster fire bad. It's been incredibly bad. And we were really fortunate enough to have a, a, a good year, good years there with Kevin Garnett. And I know there's still glass half empty there because of them really just only being a one-and-done team and never being able to surround yeah. them uh, with with the right teammates around Kevin Garnett, but if they didn't have Kevin Garnett, this franchise would be gone. Like mm-hmm. th- this franchise would have been gone in twenty, well before twenty twenty. Um, and I I do want this team to be good. I, I know, like I I don't watch the Wolves as much as I do probably the the Wild and the Twins and the Vikings, and that's because it's been mostly a dumpster fire. But I want this franchise to be successful. So I, I would I would just say be better. It's time to be better. Mine's a little more specific than you guys. Mine would literally say, turn Anthony Edwards into Dwayne Wade, into a modern version of Dwayne Wade. Because we can talk about culture and bringing KG back, and we can talk talk about Carl Anthony Towns. But I think the guy that has the highest ceiling and potential to carry this franchise and to be what Kevin Garnett was for 12 years or whatever it was with the Timberwolves is Anthony Edwards. And I think if you can just surround him with the right coaches and training and assets and knowledge. And it would be, hell, it would be great to get KG back in the organization so he can be around Anthony Edwards and and plant some of those mental seeds into his head. The fact that Dwayne Wade himself has already come out and said, boy, I see a lot of myself in Ant. He can be a better version of me. I don't think Dwayne Wade just out there saying that about anybody and everybody. So it would, everything would be about, Anthony Edwards and developing him and making sure that he becomes, you know, the 100th percentile of whatever his peak potential is. To broaden that out, though, I think the level of dysfunction with this 
franchise going back years now is so high. And and I think there's so much we don't know. Like, to be this bad for this long, um, things have gone so wrong that, that I think at every bit at the core of this team, you have to look, examine it, and probably make, if not changes in the people who run it, then at least changes in how they go about it. Like I, I well, would love. Well, to, but what's the what's the one? But what's the one constant? Let's go back. Let's go back. It's Glenn Taylor. Correct. No, but no, but Ethan, I'm saying Ethan Cassin's only been here for four years. Right. Like, but, but I'm saying I'm saying that I think a lot of the look. I think Glenn's a decent guy. Okay. But I think a lot of the things that he wanted and has established are dysfunctional. Like you can't be this bad for this long without things below the surface being rotten. Yeah, he and I don't. I don't know how he operates his non-basketball businesses. Obviously, well enough to become a billionaire. Yeah, and have homes. Good businessman, obviously. Right. Yes. But he's but he's a terrible NBA franchise businessman. He has no concept of how to lead and create great structure. I think any any good structure they have now is a product of just sort of blind luck. You know, I. I think yeah. they've got some injury. I mean, the the jury's still out on, I think, the current iteration of leaders in that franchise in Gerson Rosas because they have to win games on the court. And uh, maybe if the, the, the three key players stay healthy this year, maybe they make the playoffs. We'll see. Right. But let's let's get actually a lot of this sort of rolls into some of these other comments. So I'll get to the next one here. Mm-hmm. Um, given the plan that A-Rod and Lori will one day complete uh, will one day complete the transaction to become primary owners. <laughs> Glenn Taylor is assembling a system for them to have more input than the typical limited partner. So there's a lot of minority owners that just, you know, they get they get some say, but it's mostly just like on a conference call with Glenn, right? They don't get like hands-on, um, sort of mold the clay type influence. Sure. So I'll react to this one first in terms of those guys getting more input in the minority stage of their ownership. I have been told absolutely that they're already involved in certain things. They've got ideas. And and Johnny lays some of this out too, but from what I've been told, A Rod and Lori are going to be much more active and hands on much earlier than people probably think. That hey, they're not going to be full owners for two more years, but they're going to start to assume power and influence starting now, starting a month ago, and we'll see how that goes. But what are you guys' thoughts on that? Like, just those guys instead of dipping their toes in, those guys just getting influence now, and Glenn having to approve some certain things. I think it's not a surprise, and I think the reality of this entire story, while while the um, face that is put on it is, well, you know, Glenn's going to lead them and show them the ropes, right? Which is, I, I think that's BS. I think these guys slowly but surely are accruing enough to buy to buy the majority stake in this team, and that's why it's slow. But the idea then is that they need to come in. And have a, a say. And again, I'll say this: if you look at the wolves, do you really say, "Oh God, Glenn, Glenn's not going to own him anymore"? I, I, I don't know about this, but this to me is a slow build and a slow cook based on the financial commitment of these two, far more than well, let's roll this thing out slowly so Glenn can can you know hand over the torch. I think this has to do with finances. And that means it makes way more sense to get these guys embedded and if not making final decisions, then at least very involved right now. Yeah. Um, Here's another one kind of along those lines. Glenn Taylor, quote, 
Everybody's really happy. My next step, which I've already started, is to get those guys in here and let them learn about owning a, a, an NBA basketball team as much as they can. If they have some creative ideas, I'd be interested. Let me ask you guys this follow-up question. What is the most important thing you want A-Rod and Lori to learn from Glenn Taylor? What not to do. <laughs> yeah. On every level. Yeah. It's what not to do. Again, you know what? If this was, if if they were about to buy the Star Tribune, I'd say, hey, done a great job. Learn away. But what have you seen, Phil? Like, like we, we've talked about this a thousand times. What have you seen that you would want a creative businessman to go in and say, oh, this yeah. is how Glenn does it? Forget my ideas. Yeah. I think... Yes, there are obviously there's some things if you've never owned an NBA franchise, there's definitely things that you're going to want to learn, but there's all kinds of other owners in the NBA that will help teach you those you things there, though? too. Can I stop you there? Mark Cuban didn't know when when he he first bought the uh, Mavs, right? Like there was a lot he didn't know. But how are guys like this? And and I'm talking more Lori than Arod. How are guys like this ultimately how do they learn? Trial and error. So, like, I think if you're like, oh, Glenn does this, we should do this. I don't think that's the right call. I think guys like Cuban, Laurie, I think they learn from mistakes, too. Yeah. They're smart and, people. And, and here's the thing. And you you kind of already said it. I mean, Glenn Taylor is, by all accounts, I don't know him personally that well. I don't think he'd really want to sit down and uh, share, a, share a burger with oh, me McIntyre. for all the criticism. You never know. But he's a wonderful human. He's kind. He's caring. He wants the franchise to do really well. But he just doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he just he doesn't have whatever attributes you need to be able to identify the best people to work and run your organization. Right. And, and whatever attribute you need to keep a Kevin Garnett relationship alive and well, even though KG's a cantankerous dude. Like, he doesn't possess those qualities. Now, I don't want con men to come in here and run the wolves like i i, I think a rod is i think the jury is still out on him mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of con men there right mm-hmm. mark Lori is not a con man no maybe mark Lori has some shark to his personality not maybe he does yeah but mark Lori has climbed the ladders of startups selling for billions into the some of the top companies in the world and has helped shape what they look like right now and so I'm I'm actually very confident that Mark Laurie can just kind of jump in and without a ton of knowledge about an NBA franchise, like he's helped run Amazon, Walmart, like other big companies, diapers.com. Like I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll figure it out. Um, here's another one. This is from A-Rod. Mark and I love this town. Long term, our vision is Minnesota all the way. We love it. We think there's tremendous upside. We think it's a great corporate town. We think there's great social opportunities to bring people together. A-Rod called Minneapolis a favorite city of his to visit during his baseball days, but his ties don't end there. He was an investor in the Chambers Hotel downtown for a while and said he has invested in a few thousand apartment units in the area over the last two decades. Lori has connections from his business dealings as well. Your thoughts. When do Does they... A-Rod love the Twin Cities you know what as he much loves? as he says to He John and his Kane. partner love one thing. They love the brand spanking new arena that's going to be built uh, downtown to house the Wolves. That's what they will love. 
Like that, that this all we could talk all we want about, uh, you know, they're going to come in and do this and that. But the one thing that they're going to do, and I don't blame them one bit, is ask for a new building at some point in time. So they love us as much as Norm did, which is to say, if we give them what they want, the wolves are staying put for years to come. If we're like, yeah, we built enough buildings and arenas and stadiums, boys, sorry about that. Then they're going to start to threaten us, and that's how, you, that's how this works. If they do decide to build a new arena, uh, I can't recommend any other company besides Burnsville Heating and Air to work on that new HVAC system. Oh, yeah. You want that arena they to could be work properly? You yeah, you want that that HVAC system to be money inside Amen. the new Target Center, and so Burnsville Heating and Air they're hiring full time positions with overtime opportunities, up to two thousand dollars sign on bonuses. Year-round work within 10 to 20 minutes of wherever you live. They'll find you something even if you don't live near Burnsville. And they're hiring all levels of experience, apprentices, leads, finishers, equipment setters. If you're Judd Zolgad and you have no idea what HVAC even stands for. Doesn't matter. Yep. They'll, they'll bring you on for? and they'll, they'll train you on the job. Why don't you Google it? What does it stand uh, for, guys? Burnsvilleheating.com. <laughs> Click careers. Burnsvilleheating.com. And click careers. Heating, right. ventilation, and air conditioning. Of course, I knew that the whole Come time. On. I was just testing you, Declan. <laughs> Very good job. All right, A-Rod, uh, on the actual negotiations, which from start to finish, like the first Zoom call with Glenn to the agreement was like a 12-day process, which I reported a couple months ago yeah. on the show. Yeah, with Becky's cooking. In fact, uh, in fact, the only reason why I'm going to read this next part is to prove who really broke the meaningful news. Johnny reports, Lori prefers sushi for lunch on most days, but when he arrived at the Taylor's winter home in Naples, he found Becky Taylor cooking cheeseburgers on the grill with potato salad and key lime pie for dessert. Never forget who broke the potato That's right. salad Very news good. here on uh, Matthew good. and Judd two months ago. And they talked about Never forget. And they talked <laughs> about the Tampa Bay T Wolves. That's what they talked about. Man, that, that yeah. team will look great in Tampa. Anyway, congratulations. Congratulations. Way to pat yourself on the back for that breaking news. <laughs> A-Rod adds, this is, man, this is cringy. A-Rod says, we're sitting down and you can just tell the Taylors are great people from Minnesota. Simple, honest, incredibly passionate. Call them simple. Simple, yeah. <laughs> simple, gullible. It oh, seemed boy. like great timing where it almost yep. feels like he's the father and Mark and I are the two sons. We have a lot of opinions, but oh ultimately gosh. we know that dad makes all oh the decisions. Oh, my God. No, he didn't. <laughs> See, this is why he's still the fraud he's always been. Like, he Ooh, thinks yes, we're going to believe Glenn. that crap? He you thinks think we're going to buy that <laughs> nonsense? But he called him simple. Oh, he's just a well, simple Well, but he's probably he's not yeah. wrong in his mind. Great burgers, Becky. Great yeah. Really love yeah, they made apple pie and burgers or something, and we're supposed to believe, yeah, these two guys, these two complete sharks, they're all in. By the I way, mean, I I think I think their preference would be for the team to be in Minnesota with a new be. arena. By the way, right? I build it for them. Oh, me too. So, the NBA is on fire. To be clear, yes. I build it for them. I don't want to lose the team. Yeah. So those are the those are the comments from A Rod and Lori. A lot of interesting stuff there. And I think my biggest takeaway is, yeah, there's some risk. Obviously, Glenn Taylor wants to keep the team in Minnesota, but the no, team has been fine. garbage in Minnesota. Yeah. I'm willing to assume some of that risk for a more 100%. shark-like modern owner, and we'll see if this franchise can uh, can actually make if, some noise. I would rather they move than we continue with Glenn to spin our wheels. Because Dex is yeah. right. I mean, this has been a disaster of a franchise. 
He's right. You're exactly right, man. One playoff run, thirty years. Yep. So uh, listen, if I'm uh, if I'm looking to maybe road trip from the winter home in Naples up to uh, Target Center area, maybe I'll hop on a bike, maybe a Harley, a Metric mm-hmm. Cruiser, a sport bike. I'm trying to envision Glenn like on a Harley. I can do bandana. It. Yep. Wind going through Easy his rider. sweater vest. Yep. He's got the jacket on, <laughs> leather jacket. Vroom. Well, Glenn will find what he needs at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Probably got some sweaters there, too. If you order by 8 p.m., they ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. When the open road calls, head to DennisKirk.com. Looking for adventure in whatever comes our way. Sorry. Also worth noting, too, Ramona Shelburne reported... The Timberwolves were briefly involved in a sign-and-trade discussion with the Lakers mm-hmm. for uh, Alex Caruso. I think he wound up with the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Sort of a 3-and-D point guard who can, I mean, he wasn't like a super key player, but he was hard-nosed defensive guy who can pass and shoot. And the Wolves would have taken Mark Gasol's $2.6 million salary and old body back in return. Old body. So I don't, I don't know what they would have given up for that. But Alex Crusoe as a backup point guard, you could do worse. But if that would have been like the splash this offseason, well, they haven't made any. I mean, they, have, they haven't made any ripples, period, yet. Come on, Gerson. So we'll see. Make a move. It feels like he's still, there's still some things that are going to happen here. There's a Ben yeah. Simmons thing that's going to happen at some point. Um, there's moves to be made. We'll see if the, if the Wolves are involved. So, all right, boys, that's a wrap. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple if you could. Help spread the word about the show. And check out our daily Vikings conversations at Purple Daily, seven days a week and then some. Even a purple after dark last night. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now.